There we go. <laughs> There's my voice. Howdy, hey, Randall K. coming to you live from magnificent Middle Tennessee uh, for this Valentine's Day 2021 edition of um, what? Bible News Radio. And since earlier uh, today, this afternoon, let's take off the lower third. There we go. Uh, <clears throat> earlier this afternoon, I read in the Daily Disciples group uh, Romans chapter 9, and I thought it'd be good since I didn't want to clutter up uh, the Facebook feed there with a sermonette if we looked at that in a little more detail uh, this evening. And uh won't go too long into it. I always say that, right? It's a, yeah, you know, should get through with this in half an hour, and then I'm having to cut it short at the top of the hour. But I try not to be so verbose uh, this time. Um, I spent after reading the um, after reading the scripture selection Romans chapter nine this afternoon in the daily disciples group. I spent some time uh, setting up uh, new graphics here for the show, as you can see on the right and the and uh, and along the um, <laughs> bottom here. Uh, trying to do trying to minimize some things here. Give us a little more real estate and uh, just kind of simplify things. So there you have it. Um, and what we're going to do is, if I can get this worked out here correctly, uh, because I changed the, the project, not only the graphics, but the way kind of things work. And so it's often kind of difficult to be the engineer and the on uh, screen host as well. Let me make sure that things are happening correctly out here on the interwebs. Um, let me look here at uh, Periscope, make sure that's working all right. That seems to be. Uh, Facebook, that seems to be working all right there. YouTube is going well. And even Twitch works. Um, <laughs> my mouth's feeling a little weird. Earlier, I was eating some nachos and you know with uh, stone, stone ground tortilla chips, and I think maybe there's a piece of stone in a chip because I was as was biting, uh, my front teeth kind of slipped and then came down hard. It made a loud noise. You don't think about how hard your bite is until. You know, something goes wrong, they could bite your cheek or bite your tongue, something like that. Fortunately, no flesh involved, but it was a hard bite on my incisors. And I don't think I broke anything, but it still feels a little weird. And especially being the front of my mouth, uh, where, you know, your tongue makes contact during speech, at least English, the English language uh, quite a bit. Um, I'm well aware of the sort of, mm, I wouldn't call it soreness, just, I don't know. It just just feels different. Uh, my teeth are in shock, I guess, I don't know. Anyway, so uh, thanks for joining me here. I see that uh, out there on Periscope, we've got a couple of uh, viewers so far. Hey, if you're there, kind of, don't kind of just... Type in the chat box there in the comment area uh, so I know who you are and who's watching. And number three here, 
uh, someone else uh, coming in. So say hello. <clears throat> Excuse me. Say hello in the chat, and that way I can give a shout out. Um, same thing to those of you watching on Facebook and on YouTube. And hey, there's a viewer on Twitch even. So yeah, drop your name in there, and I'll be watching out for that to give you a give you a shout out. All right, now let's see if I can make this. Um, scripture thing happen here. Oh, and that's, um, yeah. Hold on here. We'll get this working. Don't worry. I need to fix something here. Yeah, I do. Um, uh, to, oh, and this needs to come down. Need to get rid of that. Come over here. And that's the right place. Just need to fix that. And of course, you don't know what I'm doing, but uh, trust me. And then I think I'm going to fix my picture over here. My faux whoops. What the heck happened there? Let's uh, get back to... I didn't realize. Whoops. I didn't have this quite dialed in because the way it was sitting earlier. Anyway. Let's do a little smooth transition here shall we there hey we can see the text so we'll be looking at romans uh, chapter 9 uh reading from the international standard version i was looking at that earlier and i kind of like it plenty of english translations to choose from right and they all have their strengths and weaknesses uh, we'd go with the koine greek but uh, i'm not that <laughs> proficient to where it would be uh, very, it wouldn't flow, and you'd probably find it very irritating. So, boom, Romans 9, International Standard Version, love it? Alright, uh, let's pray, because we're getting into the Word of God, and then we'll uh, read and talk about it, shall we? Father God, you are an almighty God, the almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, uh, and everlasting, everlasting king of the universe. We are grateful for this, thy word, that has been preserved throughout millennia, that we would, um, Lord, benefit from your mind and your thoughts as relayed through prophets and apostles. Uh, we pray that uh, as they were sensitive to the Holy Spirit, that we would be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, that we might receive the things you have for us. This time is yours to use as you will for our good, your glory. This I ask in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. And I'm going to quiet my phone. Yeah, I am. Um, 
put that um yeah on silent i don't need to be interrupted by that all right let's take that away and let's read romans chapter 9 paul's concern for the jewish people you see the headline there he says i'm telling the truth because i belong to the messiah and that's a good reason to tell the truth uh, if you belong to messiah if you belong to christ uh, doesn't do you any good to lie and if you belong to him and uh, he belongs to you um, as he promised in john 14 he and the father will make themselves at home uh, with the believer and uh, it's it shouldn't be an easy thing to lie and there's no reason to lie especially when it comes to matters of eternal life. So, Paul emphasizing that I'm telling the truth because I belong to Messiah. And it, it's not like he's telling the truth that um, whether he paid this much for that or uh, anything else. He's about to speak about a matter of eternal life. And so, I think it makes sense to bring this in here. Because Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, the Christ, said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You don't swear by heaven because it is God's throne, nor swear by the earth because it is footstool or, or anything else. If you have to, if you have to um, sort of offer some collateral or some uh, guarantee of your word, then your word's not that good. If you need some extra help, you know, swear to God. You know, if well, that shouldn't be necessary. If you're a man or woman of your word, let your yes be yes and your no be no. It shouldn't be necessary to, um, you know, to uh, verify or authorize or, you know, give authenticity to your word with any external um, force or exclamation. Uh, but that's not what Paul is doing here. Um, because of what he's about to say, because um, he's going to talk about not belonging to Messiah in a moment, um, it's what he's about to say has its root in belonging to Messiah. So we'll see. So I'm telling the truth because I belong to Messiah. I am not lying, and my conscience confirms it by means of the Holy Spirit. I have a deep sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Where's the joy of the Lord, Paul? Now, why does he have a deep sorrow and unceasing anguish in his heart? For I could wish that I myself were condemned and caught off from the Messiah for the sake of my brother's my own people who are Israelis. So this is this is huge to me. He says, I'm telling the truth because I belong to Messiah and uh, you know I have the Holy Spirit, yet I'm really bothered by this one thing. 
and that is his his kinsman, uh, the Israelis, a Jew. Paul was a Jew. Um, just kind of underscore that. Looking in Philippians chapter 3. Sorry, I don't have a lower third for it. But Paul writing to um, the Philippians, he gives a brief pedigree. Philippians chapter 3, beginning of verse 5, says, Having been circumcised on the eighth day, I am of the nation of Israel, from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As far as the law is concerned, I was a Pharisee. As for my zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. As for righteousness in the law is concerned, I was blameless. So, so Paul was like, you know, a Jew's Jew, if you will. And so, according to his own people, for the sake of his brothers, his own people, um, you know, as far as nationality goes, as far as ethnicity goes, um, his, his deep sorrow, his unceasing anguish in his heart uh, was for his own people. Uh, he wanted them to be... Christ followers. He wanted them to belong to Messiah. And if it were possible, he would wish himself accursed of Christ or condemned and cut off from Messiah. If he could trade his salvation for theirs, he would do it. Um, fortunately, that's not possible. Um, that as far as uh, losing, you know, um, trading our salvation for someone else's, um, because it's, uh, salvation is not by our works. Uh, eternal life comes from receiving Messiah into our lives. It's a free gift of God. And no, no works we could do to earn that free gift. Um, so a volition of now, cashing it in for someone else's it, it just to me doesn't seem possible that's why he says i could wish that i myself but if he could have he would have done it he would have uh forfeited his own salvation if he could have traded in for his kinsmen according to the flesh uh his fellow israelites fellow jews um Ethnic Jews. All right, going back to Romans chapter 9. Let's go ahead and put that back up so we know what we're looking at. He says, To them, his fellow Jews, belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. So to them belong the adoption. Uh, we can go all the way back to Abraham, uh, coming out of the, out of, you know, the, the region or city Ur of the Chaldeans and, and calling him, calling a God, calling Abraham to himself instead of you'll make, you know, you'll make, be the father of many nations. And then, um, and then 
through no, um, just by faith, Abraham responded, and on through his descendants, uh, uh, Isaac, Isaac, and Yaakov, Jacob, uh, etc., that down through the line, and, um, and a ragtag bunch of misfits they were, not, you know, real holy people and all that, and the, and the law didn't come until Moses, some, um, I guess, six generations from uh, Abraham, and, you know, some... 430-some years later, uh, well, they were there for 430 years when they came out, uh, or came into the prom, came to the promised land, actually, not into. Um, anyway, so, all right, <laughs> rehearsing a whole bunch of Old Testament history in my head, but that you know the adoption beginning with Abraham and then even you know going on through the successive generations you know those um uh descendants of Abraham uh were adopted um you know the God's chosen people as has been said um God's chosen people are special because they're chosen not chosen because they're special they're special because they're chosen and and look elsewhere in scripture and i meant to pull it up but uh, in jeremiah god talks about for no particular reason that he chose abraham descendants other than just the will of god this is the people he chose um just out of the Heathen nations. Abraham was uncircumcised. The, there were there were no Jews at the time. Abraham was called. It, Jews came from his lineage, so it was by adoption. To them belong the adoption and the glory. I mean, we could uh, go through um, all of the Old Testament, especially as we go through the the Kings and the Chronicles. Um, and the way God manifested, you know, back from Genesis and the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fly, fire, um, you know, through the time that Solomon dedicated the first temple, um, and the glory of the Lord filled the place, et cetera, et cetera. We'd go on and on that God manifesting his glory, uh, through his chosen people. Uh, the Israelis, the Jews, the covenants, um, whether we're talking about the Abrahamic covenant, uh, kind of referred to earlier, uh, the Davidic covenant, um, um, the new covenant, um, even minor kind of Sol covenants with Solomon, others, and then um, they, it's those covenants are recorded with Jewish people, the the Bible, Old and New Testament, is a book of by Jewish authors, uh, primarily about God's um, inter intercession, interaction, revelation uh, to and through the Jewish people. 
To them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law. Uh, touched on that a little few moments ago with uh, Moses at Mount Sinai. Uh, the worship uh, being in the beginning of the year. Of course, I'm uh, reading through the Bible and then you know, starting at Genesis, I'm in Exodus and I've been reading about the uh, the specifications for the tabernacle of meeting, you know, the tent of meeting with its boards and its sockets and its clasps and its, and its coverings and all that. And, uh, and then you get into Leviticus, the priestly law, uh, the worship that's specified there, the specifications of the tabernacle, the specifications for the conduct of the priests and their traditions. Of course, we know in hindsight, uh, this side of Calvary, this side of the cross, the first coming of Messiah, that those things were a shadow of what was to come. They were pointing to uh, Messiah to come. But uh, to them belong the worship, that, that monotheistic worship of the, you know, king of the universe, uh, maker of heaven and earth, the one true God that was revealed to the Israelis, the Jews, and the promises, which promises? There are many promises uh, throughout the scriptures, especially concerning um, earthly things. Um Jeremiah chapter 31, I think. Um, I could look it up, but um, talks about how Israel will continue to be a nation before God as long as, as, long as there are a sun and a moon and ocean tides, etc. Uh, they will never cease to be a nation before him. And that seemed uh, for a long time between A.D. 70 up to 1948, that seemed kind of touchy, you know, touch and go and iffy. And uh, even though uh, they did not have a um, a national state in terms of geographical location, the Jewish people in exile and dispersion all over the world maintained maintained their identity. Um, their religion and their language and miraculously unlike any other people group in all of human history um, so many promises uh, dealing with short and long term and of course I think um, of course the promise of the Messiah and the new covenant the new covenant is made between the house of Judah and the house of Israel um, not with uh, European Gentiles, or we'll get to that. Anyway, to the Israelis belong the patriarchs. And the patriarchs, of course, being Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, or Yisrael, uh, and the twelve sons of Yisrael. Uh, and from them, the Messiah descended. And that's not an extra H, that's a footnote on the Christ. Uh, it's a, a little hyperlink in the 
purplish color. And the Messiah descended, who is God over all, the one who is forever blessed. Amen. And um, sort of uniting of God and the Messiah there. Um, I think that's um, not a mistake or a, a poor English translation. Uh, most of the English translations read something similar. The, the Messiah who is God over all, the one, the one who is blessed forever that the Messiah is God in human flesh, the Word of God become flesh and dwelling among us. Amen. But, so, from an historical and spiritual uh, perspective, the Israelis, the Jews, um, you know, to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the law, the worship, the promises, uh, the patriarchs, and the Messiah. The Messiah is a Jewish Messiah. Um, and according, you know, to promises, according to prophecy. Um, that, um, it's where I'm getting hung up trying to find my lower thirds to take that off and switch back to me uh, the you know Jesus is not a an invention of the you know of Europe in the Middle Ages uh, <laughs> the idea of the Messiah goes back to Genesis chapter 3 and all throughout the scriptures I bring this up a lot but I'm going to bring it up again uh, Luke chapter 24, when Messiah Yeshua is talking to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Um, Luke chapter 24. Um, let's pick it up in... Um, Well, verse 18. So, as the one whose name was Cleopas sent to him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem and don't know what happened there in the past few days? Speaking to Yeshua, uh, Messiah walking with them. And he asked them, What things? Uh, they answered him, The events involving Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in what he said and did before God and all the people, and how our high priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and had him crucified. But we kept hoping, we were just hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel. What is more, it is now the third day since these things occurred. Even some of our women have startled us. By what they told us, they were at the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body there. So they came back and told us they had seen a vision of angels who were saying that he was alive. Then some of those who were with us went to the tomb, can't believe these women, went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. However, they didn't see him, Jesus, Yeshua. Then Jesus told them, Oh, Foolish! Oh, how foolish you are! How slow you are to believe everything the prophets said! The Messiah had to suffer these things and enter, then enter his glory, didn't he? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them in all the passages of Scripture 
about himself. Now this is key, and those of you who have watched this program for any length of time, keep bringing this up. Moses, or or the you know the books of Moses, the Pentateuch, the Torah, uh, the prophets, um, as a collection in the Hebrew Old Testament, known as the uh, Nevi'im, and uh, the scripture, or the scripture, or the writings in the Old Testament, known as the Ketuvim. Um, so the Torah, the Nevi'im, and the Ketuvim. Um, uh, T-N-K, if you will. Actually, Tetnun and Kof is an acronym for Tanakh. Uh, That's what Hebrews would, Jews would call the Hebrew Old Testament as a whole, the Tanakh, because it's made up of the Torah, the Nevi'im, the prophets, and the Ketuvim, the, the writings. Uh, Moses and all the prophets and all the passages of scripture. In the Tanakh, he explained to them about himself, how throughout Throughout the law, the Torah, the place in the Torah, uh, there are places in the prophets that deal with him, uh, the Messiah, who he, who he is, his first coming, how he would suffer. The Messiah had to suffer these things and enter his glory, didn't he? Like you're not familiar with Isaiah 53 and uh, Zechariah 12:10, Psalm 22. Uh, he explained to them all the passages of the Scripture about himself. So. This Jesus thing, this this Christianity thing, it's it's not a it's not an invention of Europeans in the Middle Ages. It's a very Jewish thing, uh, going back millennia uh, to about fourteen hundred BC, when the when the uh, books of Moses were written. Let me pop out here and see if um, we've got. Blessings from Marlene, 21 minutes ago out there in Periscope. Um, see people watching on Facebook, but nobody's saying anything. But hi, Facebook viewers. Uh, YouTube viewers as well, you're, you're quiet out there. And I still have a viewer on Twitch. So, I guess you're all just riveted by this uh, <laughs> eloquent commentary, right? All right, well, blessings to you all. Thanks for uh, giving up some of your Sunday evening for this. All right. So, where, where, oh, where? Ah, there it is, okay. Looking for my, my scripture shot again. So, coming back here. To Romans chapter 9. So to these realities belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, giving of the law, worship, promises, the patriarchs, and from the patriarchs, the Messiah descended, um, who is God over all, the one who is blessed forever, or forever blessed. Amen. So the, yeah, I hear Paul saying of, all the people that should 
get it, just like with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, uh, where where Yeshua said, you know, foolish and slow of, you know, foolish heart, slow of heart to believe, whatever it was, you know, that you sh- if you'd known the scriptures, you wouldn't be freaking out about this, gross paraphrase, uh, that... You know, and then he explained in, in Moses and the prophets and all the scriptures, the things concerning himself, that Paul here, a Jew, you know, according to the law, a Pharisee of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised the eighth day. Uh, I mean, he gets it and he got it. Uh, he, not at first, <laughs> uh, as you recall from the book of Acts, that he was against the church think there's some heretical sect or something uh you know the people of the way uh the followers of messiah and then he had a an encounter with the risen messiah and totally flipped him around changed him around uh being passionate uh for the gospel and and writing most of the new testament um, so we got it and he's like wow the, the Knowing what have I have experienced, um, how the long-awaited, promised, hoped-for Messiah has come, and now I belong to Him. What, what a remarkable transformation it is! Oh, that my kinsmen, my my fellow Jews, would come to the same, come into the same relationship. And I could wish myself cut off for that. If I could cash in my own salvation, my own possession of eternal life by having Messiah in my life, belonging to him, if I could be cut off from Messiah so that all the nation of Israel be saved, oh, how I would do it. Okay, so that begs a question and he knew that it begged a question from the readers since to them belong the promises and the messiah descended him and if we go back to jeremiah chapter 31 that we can see that the new covenant uh belonging uh you know speaking of the messiah the, which was then future uh to come, it's a, it's a covenant made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, that divided kingdom at the time. And in fact, by the time Jeremiah wrote, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel had been um, conquered by Assyria and scattered, and the lower nation of Judah, made up of tribes of Judah and Benjamin, had gone into captivity in Babylon. And still the Lord speaks to Jeremiah to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Uh, even though they weren't in the land anymore, they still had their identity in God's eyes. Anyway, so the Paul is anticipating the reader, I believe, thinking, okay, well, if, if to the Israelis, to the Jews, belong adoption and glory and the covenants and and the worship, and the law, and the promises, and Messiah himself, and the new covenant is with them, then why have so many? Why has it been just a few of the Israelites, including Paul and the, and the other apostles, and 
and the thousands that were added daily, going back to Acts chapter 2, 3. Um, you know, several thousand Jews and many Gentiles, but, but still, for the bulk, the Israelites not being followers of Messiah. So, uh, that mean is that uh, God's promises and, and the word of God is like 50% or well, even 50% if it's counting the, you know, portion of, of Israelites, of Jews who are followers of the way is like, well, it's God, are God's promises, eh, 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 eh. you know, they kind of work some of the time. So verse six, now it is not as though the word of God has failed. Hasn't? For not all Israelis truly belong to Israel. Or, you know, not all Israel is of Israel. Um, and then in Colossians chapter 2, I think that Paul talks about the Israel of God. He says, And not all Abraham's descendants are his true descendants. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that descendants will be named for you. And of course, that is referring to Genesis 21, chapter 21, verse 12. It says, that is, it is not merely the children born through natural descent who are regarded as God's children, but it is the children born through the promise who were regarded as descendants. For this is the language of the promise. At this time, I will return and Sarah will have a son. And uh, does Genesis uh, chapter 18, verse 10, and then later 14. It says, not only that, but Rivka, Rebecca, became pregnant by her ancestor Isaac. Uh, yet before their children had been born or done anything, good or bad, I guess I need to scroll that up for you, huh? Yeah. So that God's plan of election might continue to operate according to his calling, and not by actions. Uh, Rivka, Rebecca, was told the older child would serve the younger one. So it is written, Yaakov, Jacob, I have loved, but I saw Esau, I have, I hated. What shall we say then? Because you think, well, wait a second. So, God unilaterally decides that the older child will serve the younger one. And, and even though Abraham had more than one son, uh, he, according to a half-baked plan uh, of both he and Sarah, let's, let's, put the, um, let's put the blame where it lies. Sarah suggested it. Abraham didn't mind going through with it, where he impregnated her servant girl, the Egyptian, and Ishmael was born. But then later on, as God promised, uh, he did come through, just not in their time, in God's time. Uh, Sarah did bore, bear a son, Isaac, or Isaac uh, whose name means laughter. Uh, and 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 God told him, you know, in Isaac I have called your seed, and and God refers to Isaac as his one and only son, 
even though there was another. So it's not, as Paul says, um, um, yeah. It's not merely the children born through natural descent who are who are regarded as God's children, but it is the children born through the promise who are regarded as descendants. So through Isaac rather than Ishmael. And he gives a similar sort of thing where before Jacob and Esau were born, you know, because Rivka or Rebecca had this turmoil going on in her womb, uh, God tells her that because there are two nations and there and and there's this rivalry going on even in your womb, and the the older will serve the younger. And Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. That didn't come until God didn't say it to much later. You can go to Malachi chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 there. But again, we see that um, God choosing Jacob for who was renamed Israel and for... Um, basically the line ultimately through which Messiah would come. Verse 14, what can we say then? God is not unrighteous, is he? Of course not. You know, well, if God is choosing one and not the other, does that make him, you know, that's not fair. Is he unrighteous? Of course not. For he says to Moses, I will be merciful to the person I want to be merciful to, and I will be kind to the person I want to be kind to. Um, uh, Exodus chapter 33 verse 19. Therefore, God's choice does not depend on a person's will or effort, but on God himself, who shows mercy. And get into about Pharaoh in a minute here, uh, depending on the time. And several other verses, of course, come to mind. And and I didn't have time before the show to cue them up for you. But in John chapter 3, uh, Yeshua, Jesus, talking to Nicodemus, says that... That, you know, God did not send his son into the world condemn the world but the world through him might be saved and this is the condemnation that light has come to the world and men love the darkness rather than light uh, because their deeds were evil they didn't come to light um, that um, he does he who does not believe is condemned already and I probably got those verses out of order but we have that concept going there that uh, that coming Messiah is not about condemning the world, it's about saving the world. Uh, those who do not believe in, do not believe in Messiah, in God's gift of eternal life, the word become flesh, uh, it's, they're condemned already because that is the natural state. In Ephesians, we read that, uh, those in that we are by nature, like by nature, nature, not like just our, 
our personality but by by nature being descended from adam being human beings we are by nature children of wrath uh, that the default position is that mankind, humankind, uh, men and women, although made in God's image, uh, going back to going back to the Garden of Eden and the rebellion there, uh, you know, sin entered the world through one man and was passed on through the generations. That by nature, by our human nature, simply being human. Um, we're at odds oh, with God. We're not godly people uh, by default. We're selfish people. I mean, um, when we're infants, of course, that comes out of, necessi- out of necessity. I can talk, really can. You know, that comes out of, out of necessity. We, you know, we need to be fed, changed, that kind of stuff, cleaned. And, you know, we cry out because we can't do those things for ourselves. But without um, proper guidance, and certainly without uh, yielding ourselves to the will of God, we continue to be self-seeking people. Uh, whether whether we belong to philanthropic organizations and and give to the poor and all that kind of stuff, volunteer time, uh, it's still because of how it makes us feel. It's about me and, and, and my comfort and my satisfaction, that kind of thing. Um, so, by nature, we are children of wrath. Um, God didn't have to send his son to the world to condemn the world because the world was already condemned. I and mean, we can look around and see human beings left to their own devices and how things work out no matter how good their intentions are that because of our sinful nature because of our human weaknesses things don't turn out right there's there there is conflict there is well a whole list of things that are listed at the end of Romans chapter 1 uh, that's just how people are ultimately left their own devices. So God didn't send his son to the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved because we're already in a mess. Uh, what we need is a savior. And so then going back here, Romans chapter nine, well, actually Exodus where Paul quotes, and uh, let's be fancy and remind us that we're in Romans chapter 9. That as he says to Moses, I will be merciful to the person I want to be merciful to, and I will be kind to the person I want to be kind to. You know, I have mercy upon whom I will have mercy and compassion on whom I will compassion. That's the translation that I'm familiar with. Uh, that, you know, if, of course we're limited. I was thinking about an analogy, but it's not really a good analogy um, uh, because we're limited in our abilities. But say that your house is burning and you need to get out and you can't, carry all of your belongings uh, 
you're going to grab that thing that is most valuable to you, that photo album, or maybe it's your computer or your phone that has your photos on it, or, you know, your Bible, hopefully, something like that. Does that mean you hate all the other things you wanted to burn, you couldn't wait for them to burn? No, you just, you selected things that were you valued it wasn't it wasn't the slight on the other things it was you know you just you choose other things and so he says to Moses I will be merciful to the person I want to be merciful and I will be kind to the person I want to be kind to mercy upon whom I have mercy you have compassion on whom I have compassion it's not it's not it's not, um, I will be wrathful to the person I want to be wrathful for to, and I will be, you know, uh, cruel to the person I want to be cruel to. Uh, God is love. And he, and just like you saving certain things from the fire, he chooses to be merciful to who he wants to be merciful and, you know, compassionate to who he's going to be compassionate for Therefore, God's choice does not depend on a person's will or effort. I deserve this, or I, I did more than so-and-so, therefore I deserve a place in heaven, but on God himself who shows mercy. For the scripture says about Pharaoh, I have raised you up for this purpose, to demonstrate my power through you, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Um... We see in Scripture that God raises up kings and he takes them down, kingdoms, and he takes them down, that uh, that God raises up certain people for certain times, for certain occasions, for certain purposes. And the Pharaoh at the time of Moses was one of those that he raised up for this very purpose, to demonstrate his power, that his name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Exodus chapter 9, verse 16. And indeed, that's what we see, that what happened in Egypt that created the exodus for the Israelites coming out of Egypt, that fame of all that God did went out before them, which allowed them ultimately entry into the promised land. 18. Therefore God has mercy on whom he chooses, and he hardens the heart of whomever he chooses. Now, the heart and the heart, it's not like Pharaoh was this really loving, compassionate guy and all of a sudden God came in and just hardened his heart and switched him over from the kingdom of light into the kingdom of darkness. No, he was in the kingdom of darkness already. Um, just about anybody living in Egypt at that time worshipped Isis and Osiris and... and um, and cattle, loop, um, apis, the bull, and, you know, all sorts of things. Um, and they had dark forms of worship, things like that. And and if you get up to the head honcho, Pharaoh, you know, the sovereign of the land, he's totally into, I mean, he has court magicians and all that. He's already on the dark side. And so what we have in there is a god God in there strengthening kind of kind of see what we see in Romans chapter 1 because people did not like to retain God in their minds he gave them over to it's like okay this is the way I want to go here you know I'm taking out all the barriers 
and uh, just strengthening that position. And, and that's what we see with the Pharaoh uh, of Moses' time. And that's, that's a title, not a name. Um, uh, in the time of Moses, you know, at the time of the Exodus. And so, again, Paul is always um, anticipating, wow, it's almost top of the hour, it's probably as far as we're going to get here, is anticipating the reader, you know, thinking, well, okay, well, well, is God's word no, of no effect since not all the Jews are followers of Messiah? No, it's not that, it's this. Well, isn't, well, isn't God unfair? Well, no, because, you know, he has mercy upon whom he has mercy, compassion upon who has compassions. And, and, uh, you know, that, that by default were selfish, sinful people. And well, then, okay, well, if he pardoned the heart of Pharaoh, he hardens the heart of whomever he chooses. Well, you, you may ask me, then why does God still find fault with anybody? If, if, you know, he's hardening someone's heart, then, then they get, punish they experience his wrath i mean for who can exist is resist his will if god wills something then i'm you know how could you know if he chose to harden the heart of pharaoh is it fair for god to find fault in pharaoh and bring the plagues upon egypt because he wouldn't let the people go i mean who's he to resist the will of god on the contrary who are you, a mere man that you are, to talk back to God? Can an object that was molded say to the one who molded it, Why did you make me like this? A potter has the right to do what he wants to with his clay, doesn't he? I mean, just speak in earthly terms. A potter has the right to do what he wants to clay. He can make something for a special occasion or something for an ordinary use from the same lump of clay. Now, if God wants to demonstrate his wrath and reveal his power, can't he be extremely patient with the objects of his wrath that are made for destruction? Can't he also reveal his glorious riches to the objects of his mercy that he's prepared ahead of time for glory, including us, whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but from the Gentiles as well? And then, going to get into Hosea, uh, talking about, the Gentiles and the remnant Jews and in part, but just to wrap it up from this idea that, you know, you are mere man to talk back to God, uh, in the same way that, uh, a, you know, a lump of clay isn't going to say to the, the, the potter, you know, the sculptor, Hey, what are you doing? That's, I don't want to uh, how much more, I mean, that there's a greater connection, a less of a distance in terms of superiority and morality uh, between the clay and the, and the man. I'm not trying to disparage the, the uniqueness of human being made in God's image. I'm not trying to devalue human life that is no more than clay. But man's body was taken from the earth. So it's called Ha-Adam, ha the man, because he was taking the Adama out of the ground. You know, out of dust you came, to dust you return. 
God said that, um, as Stacy Lynn is fond of saying, that we are animated mud pies. You know, we are the dirt that God has breathed life into. And so in that semblance, from a physical point of view, the human being isn't that far removed from the clay, actually. Um, oh, I'm not Romans 9. See, that's what I get when I try to, then I shouldn't have anything up, because you know who I am. But, you know, how much more the the distance between mankind and the creator of the universe you know so for us to come along and say ah wait a second i find fault with you god uh that's not the way i would do it i wouldn't <laughs> uh, go read the book of job what is it 40 40 41 chapters something like that you know job is experiencing things by the will of God, through the hand of Hasatan, the adversary, the devil. And, and he's like, what the heck's going on? And, and he gets to a point like that a lump of clay in Romans 9, the, the hypothetical lump of clay. He's like, you know, what the heck? You know, this, this, I don't, this, this, this isn't right, basically. There's an injustice here, and I want to state my case before God. Before before I die or even after I die, you know I want to, you know I want to talk to God about this because this just isn't right. And then to the end of that, Job doesn't get an explanation for what has happened to him. He just gets a glimpse of just a glimpse of who God is and His Majesty and His sovereignty, and he. He says, I put my hand over my mouth. It's like, I've got no place to say anything. I I can't speak with any sort of authority or knowledge on really the creation of the earth and why this is that and why this is nature and why that is. I mean, I can't even come close to um, really explaining it. You know how much less these spiritual things happen in the spiritual realms, and um, and related to to my life and in my relationship to God. I mean, I can't even talk about very natural, relatively static things, let alone things beyond this earth. And so Job ends up like. Okay, I got nothing. I got nothing. I'm in no position to think any kind of injustice is done or anything because it's just God is just so far beyond me. As Isaiah says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so his ways above our ways, so his thoughts above our thoughts. Um, we're just in no place to. Yeah. So. So similarly, when God chooses to have mercy upon him, have mercy and compassion upon who will have compassion, how he makes that choice, that's his choice. Um, we can we can speculate that because he's outside of time, he sees the end from the beginning, and so he knows how we would respond to him in the first place. Um, Ephesians, we read that the 
and other places that Christ was slain before the foundation of the world, that that plan was all made. Uh, God knowing that man would rebel and talks about us believers being chosen before the foundation of the world. And so, yeah, it's beyond me. All I know, how do you know if you're the one that God is having mercy upon and compassion upon? But one thing you can do is simply cry out to God for mercy. And to recognize you're a sinner and recognize that God has made a provision for sin, a propitiation for sin, by taking on human flesh, living the life that we could not live, dying the death that we deserve, and rising from the dead to give us hope of newness of life and everlasting life. And and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. Past tense is done. And this life is in his son, Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. Those who have the son have life. Those who do not have the son do not have life. And those things are written for those who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. It's not a guessing game uh, because it's, it's not contingent on our behavior, but on what Christ has done. And if you put your faith in him, invite him into your life, um, say that, you know, I want to be taken out. I don't want to be a child of wrath. I want to be a child of God. John chapter 1 verse 12, as many as received him, who believed on his name, he gave the authority, the right, the power uh, to become children of God. Just like not all Israel are who are of Israel. You know, not all Israelis are really true Israel. Not all human beings are children of God. It's those who believe and receive who become children of God by God's authority. All right, we're two minutes past the hour. I need to wrap this up. Uh, thanks for joining me uh, on the replay especially. Uh, the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance upon you, give you peace. Um, may you truly experience that. And that probably didn't seem so serious, uh, so sincere as looking down to change my transition here. But really, sincerely. I believe I want you to experience his mercy and his compassion. Discover that you are someone upon whom we will have mercy and compassion by believing and receiving Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus the Christ. All right, be bold, stand up, go with God because he loves you.